Okay, we have three different passages for today's message. The first one comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 9 through 14. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was pure, was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were pro prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. The second reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. The third scripture is from the book of Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Thanks, Ryan. So two years ago, uh, Cindy and I moved to Sioux Falls, and we were looking for a church. And I remember a conversation I had with 
one of my aunts, she asked me what we were looking for in a church. And I talked uh, about uh, some of the usual things, a church with strong biblical teaching, meaningful worship, uh, uh, emphasis on prayer. But I also mentioned something else. I told her, we're looking for a church that has diversity. And she asked me, is that even possible to find in Sioux Falls, a church with diversity? It was a good question. Were we, a, were we going to be able to find a church with diversity in Sioux Falls? And that's a question I'd like to ask this morning. But more specifically, is Life Church a place where we can find diversity? Where people from many different backgrounds and cultures come to worship Christ together? And to answer that question, I'd like to start with a journey. I'd like to take a, a world tour. And the first stop of that tour is going to be Kalamazoo, Michigan. Last fall, I was in Kalamazoo uh, to speak at a church representing the Luke Society. And during that time of worship, we were singing a song, Behold Our God. Behold Our God, seated on the throne Come, let us adore him. Behold our king. Nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. And as I sang that song that morning, I began to reflect and began to think of the places I had been over the last couple of weeks. A, a month before that, I was in the Philippines, worshiping with a group of believers there. A few weeks before that, I was in Niger in Benin worshiping in Hausa in French. And it struck me that morning in Kalamazoo that every Sunday people from all nations, people from all tribes, all cultures come together to worship Jesus. So I'd like to give you a taste of that this morning and play some of the videos of our brothers and sisters worshiping our God around the world. So the first stop is the Philippines, uh, where, where uh, there's a children's choir worshiping in Tag Tagala. The next video is from Niger. There's a women's choir singing in Hausa. And then Benin, where the staff at the clinic there is worshiping in French. Yeah. 
videos from a couple other trips we took at the end of last year and the beginning of this year in Nepal. singing in a local tribal dialect. Mexico. This is from a small village in Oaxaca, the southern part of Mexico, and they're singing in Mezateco. Finally, from the country of Mali, there's uh, our four Luke Society directors from Mali singing God is so good in English and then a local tribal dialect and then in French. So when you think of these 
people worshiping and praising God all over the world, what happens in your heart? Is there something that stirs in your heart? Is there something that's awakened in your soul? I know for me there's a deep desire for this type of worship, for this coming together of brothers and sisters from all over the world. I think it's something that pleases God. And when we get together with brothers and sisters like this, we feel God's pleasure. And I want more of that. The question is, how do we get more of it? Is it possible here at Life Church? And to answer that question, I'd like to take a, a closer look at these passages that we read this morning uh, and see what we can glean, see what, what we can learn. So the first is Daniel 7, verses 9 through 14. And there's a lot of details here. It's, it's easy to get confused. So I'd like to, to stick to the big picture. But what we read about here is that Daniel has a vision of the Ancient of Days, God the Father, sitting high and exalted on the throne, reigning with majesty and complete authority. And he's approached by God the Son, the Son of Man. And Daniel says that the Son of Man was coming. He came up to the Ancient of Days. He describes this Son of Man, and we, we know now that what he was seeing was a vision of the Messiah. He was seeing a vision of Christ. Daniel has a vision of Christ. What happens next is Christ is given all authority and power and sovereignty and all people from all nations and tribes and languages worship him. The next passage is Revelations 5 verses 1 through 10. And again, there are a lot of details here. It, it may be um, a little bit confusing. But if we stick to to the, the, the main message, what we see is uh, another vision of God the Father and God the Son. It's a vision of the Apostle John, a vision that John has when he's on the island of Patmos. We see a God the Father on the throne, and we see a lamb representing God the Son, Jesus. And John later goes on in Revelation 7 to describe a multitude which no one could count from every nation's and all tribes and all peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So we see in these two passages God the Father and God the Son together. And we see multitudes from all nations, from every language and tribe, praising God, praising the Father and praising the Son. This is a picture of heaven. This is a picture of the way it's going to be. This is a picture of, of what we can look forward to. But the question I'd like to ask this morning is, it, is, can it be this way even before we get to heaven? Can we experience this now? Can Life Church be a place where this type of worship is already starting to happen? Can Life Church be a place where people come and get this glimpse of heaven and get this taste of heaven? 
Well, I think there's three points that I'd like to highlight from the passage this morning. Um, three ways that we can start to see how this can begin to happen. Um, how it's already happening here in our church. The first is worship Jesus. The second is worship together. And then the third is worship right where you are. So the first point is worship Jesus. Look at Jesus. Not, po- not, to, not to politicians, not to each other, not to other people, not to government programs, but turn to Jesus. Look to Jesus. In these passages this morning, we see a multitude of people all looking to Jesus. They're enthralled, standing before the throne. There's nothing else that they want. There's nothing that even comes close to the glory that they see. Nothing that can even come close to being in God's presence. This is all they want. So why are they worshiping? What is the reason for the praise that they offer? Well, the reason is that Jesus has won the victory. Daniel 7 says there's a beast that's defeated. The beast was slain. The body was destroyed and given to a burning fire. The reason that people are praising and worshiping is that Jesus defeated the beast. Jesus defeats the beast and then takes a position of honor beside his father. And then in Revelation 5, we see that a lamb was slain. And we read in verse 9 how Jesus purchased for God with his blood men from every tribe, tongue, and language. Now, we too have a reason to look to Jesus. We too have a reason to praise his name. We praise him because of what he has done on the cross. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And 1 Peter 2.24 says, he himself bore in his body on the tree, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So in this time that we're living in this country, in this world where it seems racial tensions are so high, where the hatred and and bitterness goes so deep, We don't start by trying to work things out on our own. We start by looking at Jesus. We start by looking at the one who gave his life for each of us. We start with worship of him. Our next point is that we worship together. These passages are all about people worshiping together. Revelation 7-9 says they were standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were standing together, not apart. They were with each other. Well, we may ask, is that even possible? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be easy if, easier if, if each culture were uh, just to keep on worshiping separately on Sunday mornings, that each group of people would, uh, would just worship on their own? Well, there are a couple of really good reasons why we should worship together. 
There are a couple of good reasons why God wants his people to be together. The first is when we worship with people from different cultures, when we worship with people who are different from us, we're stretched. We grow. We grow into the people that God wants us to be. Second, when we worship in a culture that's different than ours, when we place ourselves in a different setting, we learn and come to understand what it's like to feel different. And we're able to empathize with people on the outside, people who might not quite fit in, people who are yearning for a chance to belong. And third, we can become a witness. A church with people from all different cultures and all different backgrounds stands out. It's not normal in this day and age. So when it happens, people take notice. So what about Life Church? Is it possible here to, to worship together? Is it possible for people to come together from all different backgrounds, all different cultures, all different nations? Well, the answer to that is yes, it is possible. It's possible and it's, it's already happening. When we support programs like Reconciled World and Adam's Thermal and the Gathering Well and the Luke Society, we're engaging in this type of worship. We're saying, I want to be part of that. I want to take part in how God is working around the world. I want to stand with my brothers and sisters. You see, the work that's happening in these organizations is an extension of what is happening right here in this church. I know that we couldn't do the work we do in the Luke Society. We couldn't travel to all those places if it weren't for churches like Life Church and individuals like the people here. The worship and the praise that you saw in those videos, you have a part in that. The songs that people are singing in the Philippines and Nepal and Benin are songs that we each have a part in. Another reason I know that it's possible is the way that people are treated when they walk through the front doors. I remember the first Sunday that Cindy and I came to Life Church. We felt so welcome. We felt like um, we belonged. And what a what a fabulous um, what a fabulous uh, church to be a part of, where you can come and feel like you belong. You know, I grew up in, uh, in Gallup, New Mexico, right on the edge of the Navajo Reservation. And I attended a school where the majority of my classmates were Native American. I think close to 70 or 80% of our school was Native American. And then I went off to college in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and the majority of my classmates were Caucasians. They were white. So then I went to medical school and residency, and for 20 years, Cindy and I lived and worked in an environment uh, which was predominantly Hispanic. And during that time, we also volunteered uh, as volunteers for the Luke Society. We traveled to Benin in Africa. So a lot of times, I don't know really what culture I belong to. 
but I know that I belong here at Life Church. And if I can find belonging here, if I can find a place to belong here, I know that others can as well. A while back, a family from Armenia came to church here. They didn't speak any English. We ended up trying to communicate with them in French. They were headed out west, I think, to Seattle or, um, you know, they had a long journey ahead of them and they were out of money. They needed some financial help. But I remember them sitting at, at one of the tables back there and there were four or five people uh, just trying to help them, trying to figure out what they needed. Uh, Pastor Dave ended up providing some financial assistance to them. But that's an example of how people are treated when they walk through the doors here at Life Church. So worshiping together is something we do here at Life Church. The third, third point is worship right where you are. In the Old Testament, the priests were individuals who worshiped in the temple. Well, in the New Testament, every member is a priest. Every member is a minister. Revelations 5.10 says, You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And 1 Peter 2, 9-10 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So as you know, we've been going through a time of vision casting as a church, listening, asking God uh, where he wants us to go, how he wants us to, how he wants to work through us over the next couple of years. And I've been part of the vision team, and one of the things that really stood out to me about the process is how many different groups people wanted to reach. These are just a few. School children, indigenous and native people groups, the homeless, children in hospitals, immigrant and refugee populations, parents with young children, college kids, foster and adoptive families, single parents, people who struggle with mental health. And what I like about this list is that it reflects the hearts of people here at church. There's compassion here, there's care, there's a deep love for others. But as the listening team started going through some of these things and listening, uh, listing all the areas that, that people wanted to be involved in, I, it was kind of overwhelming. I thought to myself, how could Life Church have a ministry to each of these groups? There's a lot of programming here. <laughs> And we're a relatively small church. There's no way we could start 10 new programs, let alone get enough people to volunteer in all of these programs. But we don't have to start programs because every member here is a minister. And every member here has a sphere of influence. Every day we come in contact with other people. These people are single mothers, single fathers, immigrants, young children, college kids, and others from all walks of life. And each of our jobs is to minister to these people. 
You see, the worship we're talking about is, is not just out there. It's not just in the Philippines or Nepal or Mexico, but it's here. We don't have to go somewhere to get it. It's right here. It's noticing that person in front of you. It's listening to that friend or colleague that's having a difficult issue. It's learning to see people the way that God sees people. It's learning to love the people right around you. Now, this is a hard teaching. It's difficult to love people. And we can't do it on our own. But the good news is we have help. Let's look back at, at our passages one more time. In Revelations chapter 5, in verse 6, John describes the Lamb as having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. There's deep symbolism here. You see, John is describing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are one. Jesus has the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He has complete access to the Spirit. And he gives this access to us. He gives the Spirit to us. So it's not us but it's the Holy Spirit ministering through us. So before we finish this morning, I'd like to just briefly summarize our main points. We asked if Life Church could be a place of diversity, a place where people from all nations, all tribes, all languages come together to worship Jesus. And we highlighted three main points. Number one, worship Jesus. We need to look to him, not anyone else. Number two, worship together. We see the saints in Revelations together before the throne of God. People from every tribe and nation and tongues were standing together. And then number three, worship right where you are. Every member is a minister. Our responsibility is to minister right where we are. Now, as I was finishing up preparing this message and kind of reflecting on those three points, it reminded me of something. It reminded me of BIO, which is part of the mission of Life Church. B-I-O, before God, in community, and on mission. Now, I didn't plan this, but as I was preparing, I realized that this outline we went through this morning kind of reflects bio. It's really an extension of bio. It's an extension of who we are as a church. And that's exciting to me because it's an affirmation that this is something we should be talking about. This is something we should be working on. Now, I mentioned when I went uh, through the list that our, our vision team went over that this list really reflects the hearts of people at Life Church. But that's just a part of it. It, it goes deep, deeper than that. It reflects God's heart. It reflects the plan that the Holy Spirit has for our church. God has a heart for the nations. He has a heart for people who speak different languages, a heart from people who come from different cultures, a heart for people who feel far away 
for people who feel they just don't belong. And this is the type of community where God dwells. This is the type of community where God loves to work. This is the type of community where God loves to change hearts and touch lives. So heaven will be a place where people from all tribes and nations and languages worship the Lord. But we don't have to wait until heaven. It's already happening here at Life Church. And as we embrace this, we become more completely the church that Christ has called us to be. Amen. Will you pray with me as we welcome the worship team to come back? Father, we thank you for this good word. We thank you for this picture um, of the end. And knowing what we'll look like in the end is helpful for us today, even if we don't look very much like that yet, because it gives us something to work towards. And Lord, I pray with uh, Brent's words and the words from the scriptures, Lord, that you would make us look more and more like your people will look in the end. That you would bring us more and more to that place of unity and harmony as one great big family, that we would long for that, that we would work towards that, that we would respond to the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts as he puts um, various people groups of all different walks of life and, and um, ethnicities on our hearts, and that uh, we would worship Jesus um, together with them, and that we would reach out to them as part of our worship to Jesus. So we love you, Lord. We trust you. As you are the one who is doing this in us, Holy Spirit, we look to you to empower us to become more and more this multi-ethnic family of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.